host, Annie Randall, and this is a safe space for real talk regarding all things Jesus, mental health, and of course, your relationship with food. Welcome back to our Enneagram in Food series. I am very excited for today's episode because with us today, we have the one and only Adam Randall. Now, if you do not know Adam, then allow me to introduce him. Adam is my husband and he is the most adventurous, fun-loving person that I know. Adam is the definition of an Enneagram type seven, and we are both very excited for the opportunity to record this episode together. In fact, we will actually be doing a full season together later down the road, but first, let's talk Enneagram and food. As I already mentioned, Adam is an Enneagram 7. He is a spike ball ambassador, a rock climber, a dad joke enthusiast, and a health insurance guru. Adam has a plethora of ever-changing hobbies, and he has a knack for making even the most boring of situations fun. As his wife, who just so happens to also be a nutritional therapist, I can confidently say that his sevenness shines through in his relationship with food, but I'll allow him to do the explaining on that one. So before we get started, is there anything that you would like to say to the listeners, Adam? Yeah, just want to say I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Thank you so much, Annie, for having me. Of course. Um, it's it's funny we've joked about how Annie's social media following knows so much about me, even though I don't have social media. Um, so it's it's great to be speaking with you all. Yes, well, we're very excited to have you, and all of my followers are Adam fans. They uh, <laughs> ask for more Adam. I'm pretty sure they like you better than me, but that's fine. I'm only you know slightly upset about that. (laughs) But anyways, let's go ahead and get started. As we've already established, Adam is an Enneagram type seven, which is why he's on the show today. Enneagram type sevens are known by a multitude of names, including the enthusiast, the pleasure seeker, and the adventurer. Enneagram type sevens are also described as enthusiastic, adventurous, and spontaneous in their behaviors. The core desire of a type seven is to be satisfied and content, and the core fear is of being deprived or in pain. That all said, I'd like to give you a chance to describe your experience with living in this world as a type seven, Adam. Let's not get into the relationship with food peace yet, but how would you explain your experiences in life as a type seven well it's funny uh you mentioned that the core fear is you said being uh being deprived and in pain and it's Mm -hmm. funny because annie has seen me in pain and (laughs) seen me sad and very uh, sad it's it's not a pretty sight no, no, not pretty sad. But when I'm not in pain or sad, uh, you know, it's just never a dull moment. There's always, you know, something coming around the corner. Annie mentioned I do have a plethora of hobbies. I'm always uh, gearing up for the next spike ball tournament or playing 
you know, like three hours of ping pong or going rock climbing or whatever it is. And um, doing all of those things in one day. Yes. Ex- <laughs> yeah, that was literally last weekend. I did pretty much all of those ha- uh, activities within a weekend, or within mm-hmm. within a day. So, yep. yeah, all in a day's work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's kind of a big thing for me is always having hobbies and and there's a big like need for variety with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I'll get really into something. Like it's very seasonal for me. Like I'll get really into something for like mm-hmm. a month. And then I'll be like, oh, I really want to get into this new hobby. And then I'll focus a bunch of time and energy into getting into this new hobby. And most of the time I don't even actually do it. Or if I, or if I do it, then... Hey, at least I tried it, but, uh, I probably, you know, didn't stick through it. Like, for example, like fishing, like I got really into fishing. I like learned all mm-hmm. these different knots, like lures and baits and all these things. I went fishing like four times, didn't get a single bite. And now my tackle box is like just sucked in our closet. I will say I get, I get to learn a lot of new hobbies because you will show me your hobby and then right when I'm getting used to the hobby and somewhat good at it, it's done. There's a new and one. And we move on. Yeah. That's, that's my life. <laughs> yeah. Just a never ending yeah. chase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so another part of being a seven is I'm, I'm very extroverted. I do love people. Um, it's funny. When I met Annie, I said... <laughs> Oh, I'm introverted, and and uh, she kind of raised an eyebrow at me because she yeah. realized that I was not introverted. So yeah. I gave him some articles about introverts, extroverts, and ambiverts, but I didn't tell him what he was. I was just like, "You should read these articles. Yeah, learn about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and I've definitely learned a lot about myself. So yes, I am very extroverted. Um, another big thing is. Uh, one of my biggest fears is FOMO. So mm. FOMO is mm-hmm. the fear of missing out. Um, if I have friends who are going to go be doing some fun activity, mm-hmm. then I want to be there. And if I'm not, then I'm going to be really sad. Um, I recently learned this year, too, that fun is my primary motivator. 100%. Um, yeah, it kind of goes in line with what you're talking about with like the desire of being satisfied and mm-hmm. content. Um like I just want everything to be fun and I want to just have a good time and yeah. enjoy life. You want to have the be- the best experience as yeah, you say. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I got to say you are fun to be around. So, you know, you do a good job. You are a uh, 7 through and through that's for sure um but how would you describe your relationship with food then and in what ways have the characteristics of your personality that you just talked about how have those influenced your relationship with food yeah so i would say overall i'd say i have a pretty good relationship with food um i can enjoy food without guilt or shame about it most Mm -hmm. of the time um, for me, food, like there's, there's so much good food out there mm-hmm. and I kind of just want to try it all mm-hmm. and eat it all. And, you know, I'm a snacker and if there's cookies laying around or ice cream or something, I'll go in there <laughs> and, and have a couple bites and you know what? It, it is what it is. 
Gotta enjoy a good snack. And you were really excited when your work gave you a snack box for Christmas. Yes, that was actually really. And it, it there was a lot of really good snacks in there. There was, like, there was some not so good ones, there was, but there were some great ones. Yeah. I mean, it came with like 24 different snacks, yeah. which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, that was very sweet. Yeah. So another thing that I really love about food, and I think it kind of ties into my personality type and, you know, like I was talking about being extroverted mm-hmm. and um, bringing people together. That's what food does is it brings us together. You know, yeah. we can we can invite people into our home. Annie and I like to do this a lot is mm-hmm. inviting people into our home by just cooking them a meal um, mm-hmm. and, and just being able to bring people together. You know, when you have some big life event, whether it's you're getting married or, mm-hmm. um, honestly, the only other thing I can think of is a funeral. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> it's kind of morbid. The polar but... opposites, getting married and, well, I guess giving birth would be the polar opposite of a funeral. Right. Yeah. You can celebrate that with food too. Yeah. So. I guess if you're bringing people together to celebrate someone's life. Yeah. And you're probably going to have food there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about food is it's so much more than just something that we need to survive. Mm-hmm. It, like you said, brings people together. Um, it's part of culture, part of celebrations. Like mm-hmm. just you think about when you hang out with friends, what do you do? You often get food or at church events. There's always food there. Food mm-hmm. is just such it it nourishes people on such a deeper level than the physical level and i think that i agree with you that's like a really great aspect of food yeah yeah church events that's that's a much less morbid yeah example le- than much a funeral less morbid. <laughs> i don't know why that came in my head um, slightly less morbid right yeah. yeah but when you were talking about that it kind of made me think too that um food is kind of just like an opportunity for me to experience my adventurous mm-hmm. side. Like, yeah. um, there's a, you know, a Thai restaurant that we go to and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm really going to get the food that mm-hmm. I really enjoy that I know that is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I didn't really grow up eating Thai food. And so there's mm-hmm. lots of dishes that I've never tried. So it gives me yeah. an opportunity to, um, kind of bring out this like adventurous side of me that, likes to try new things and it's fun and exciting Mm -hmm. and yeah food is just food is awesome i love food food is awesome and you've you've added a lot more variety to my eating Mm -hmm. i'm the type of person who can eat the same meals every day and never get bored but that's a no-go here we gotta have something different for dinner every night and we cook breakfast and lunch together often too so Mm -hmm. a lot more variety i've seen in my eating habits because of you yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. So can you think of a time in your life when you sought excitement and or adventure through your food choices? Uh, please explain what that looked like for you, if so. Hmm. Can't really think of anything off the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. <"Hello." laughs> of course. I have a really, uh, a really recent example. Um, so Annie and I just got married in October. Ooh. And we moved into an apartment together after we got married, moved into a new neighborhood. And of course, when you move into a new neighborhood, you got to figure out uh, what good, what, what's the good place to eat around mm-hmm. town, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And my favorite food is pizza, as Obviously. many people know. Yeah. Um, maybe eating pizza as your favorite food is something that a five-year-old would say, but <laughs> hey, you know you what? Know, no, no shame. Yeah. No shame. Yeah. Um, so I, I set about to try to find what the best pizza place in town was. Um, and I found out that there were exactly seven pizza places within a mile of our apartment. Which is insane. There's so many pizza places yeah. here. And it's not like we're living like downtown Chicago or something. Like we're kind of in like a smaller ish neighborhood. Yeah. It's like every third place is a pizza place. Yeah, we it's just have like this crazy. little downtown and a lot of the shops are empty and yeah. most of them are pizza places. Yes. So naturally, my uh, inclination was to create Pizza Week, which is uh, basically me going and trying each pizza place, uh, one new place for every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And I created like a pizza scorecard where I was judging each place uh, based off of, you know, the cheese and the sauce mm-hmm. and the toppings and all of those things. If you guys have been watching our donut taste testing, this is actually where the idea came from was Adam's Pizza Week. Yeah, exactly. So um, I was just really excited about that. And another part of it was I was like, well, I don't want to just eat all this pizza by myself i want to bring people in on this mm-hmm. and it's better with friends food is better than with friends and so i like invited sent like a mass text to like 400 people and my grandma and like everyone on the face of the earth <laughs> it was like come to pizza week it's gonna be a blast um and yeah yeah it's great you even had a logo don't forget yes. that Annie made me a pretty sweet logo. Mm -hmm. I told her I want a pizza with sunglasses and finger guns. And she (laughs) literally like made what was in my head on a piece of paper within like an hour. It was incredible. (laughs) So pizza week was legit. Yeah. 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 Well, this kind of ties into our next question. So before we kind of get into that. I know that Pizza Week didn't quite turn out as planned. Uh, so can you think of a time when you felt deprived in your relationship with food and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, well, I can, I, can, I guess, just expand on what happened during Pizza mm-hmm. Week or maybe before Pizza Week. <laughs> so I did plan Pizza Week, um, you know, like... Four days after yeah. I got my wisdom teeth removed. Which, Such a smart decision. Looking back on it, <laughs> I have all the regrets. Yeah. Um, so what happened was I was like taking a bunch of pain meds to stop the swelling in my mouth. He was taking it's, a lot of pain meds. Yeah. It's, it's a it, long story short. I ended up in the ER because I had like screwed up the stomach lining with all these antihistamines insects uh, insects yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know you take a lot of advil yeah and, and pain relievers yeah. it was pretty much all the advil um and yeah they they were like hey uh you can't eat uh tomatoes you can't eat cheese you can't eat fatty foods which is literally like all pizza. a pizza is yeah. So I'm like, come on, dude. 
And <laughs> again, goes back to my biggest uh, fear is being deprived and in pain. And I was mm. literally both of those things for mm. like two or three weeks. Yes, he, I was, was, he was so sad. I was deprived of all of my favorite foods. They told me I can't eat bacon. They told me I can't eat... Um, I can't drink coffee, which was a struggle. Yeah. S- just absolute struggle yeah. for me getting them up. He told me I can't eat chocolate. So it was just like all these things I was deprived of. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, my stomach hurt like crazy. I was getting mm-hmm. those first couple nights. I was getting like, you know, four or five hours of sleep because I was just like in pain all night. Um, yeah. So that was just not fun. Yeah, no, that was not a fun week. And you were definitely deprived because usually you're like no food rules. You eat whatever you feel like eating, mm-hmm. like very healthy relationship with food. And then obviously for a medical reason, you can't mm-hmm. eat what you want to eat and you yeah. have to respect that. And that is really difficult, right. especially for someone who doesn't like to be deprived. Yeah. And even the wisdom teeth too. Like after mm-hmm. I got the wisdom teeth, it's like, okay, you mm-hmm. can eat like pudding and soup and like yeah. that's it <laughs> yeah you got real sick of that real yeah. fast so like by the time pizza week rolled around you were ready for pizza exactly yeah mm-hmm. it was hard to get the variety in mm-hmm. and then by the time i could eat solid foods then it's like well i can't even eat the foods that i want to eat because yeah. so i'm having this stomach stuff going on so yeah really frustrating yeah and how long how long were you unable to eat what you wanted to eat I want to say it was like, it was probably a week with the wisdom Mm -hmm. teeth. So like a week of soft foods, Mm -hmm. maybe a week and a half to two weeks actually. And then after that, two to three weeks before I could start to eat some more acidic foods. Yeah. So about a month. Yeah. Yeah. Just in time for the holidays though. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. I did eat a good Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. Well, we did cook Thanksgiving dinner for like 20 people. So yeah, (laughs) you were not deprived on Thanksgiving. No, lots of, (laughs) lots of mac and cheese, lots of mac and cheese. How do you feel like being deprived for a month before affected the way that you ate on Thanksgiving? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm throwing a curveball at you. You weren't prepared for this. That is a curveball. I like it. Um, I don't know. I feel like I probably gorged more than I probably mm-hmm. would have. I mean, Thanksgiving is one of those where like it, there's just so much good food. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that one in particular was like I haven't been able to eat good food in a long time. Yeah. So so you wanted to I'm eat everything gonna, in sight. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. And I think at that point I was actually still on the medication, the antacids. Yeah. And it was still, I was still not at 100%, but I was kind of like, I'm just going to send it. Yep, yep. (laughs) Well, you know, that kind of happens when you're deprived for so long. That's kind of, I talk about that on Instagram all the time as why restriction doesn't work. But obviously when you're having to restrict things for medical reasons, it's different. But you have to navigate that carefully. Mm -hmm. But also, food is about more than just fuel and sometimes indulging on thanksgiving is perfectly acceptable Mm -hmm. cool uh so what importance does variety have in your eating patterns 
Yeah, I feel like we talked about this a little bit, but um, you know, I do have my go-to meals that I love. Um, and sometimes I'll go through kicks. Like just mm-hmm. recently, I went through a breakfast burrito kick where I was eating a breakfast mm-hmm. burrito like pretty much like every other day. But even with that, there was variety. Sometimes I'd throw bacon in there, or yep. sometimes I'd try a new sauce or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so variety, even when it's something that's consistent, um, mm-hmm. or even if it's the same type of food, just switching it up. Yeah, I'm gonna have pizza. Uh, you know, just having different types of pizzas. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I have my go-to meals, but uh, you know, I love to change it up. Yeah. I can't just eat the same thing every single day. Yeah. Gets too boring. Exactly. Yeah. Needs, need a little spice in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you ever find it difficult to recognize and honor your body's needs when it comes to food? For example, do you tend to eat past fullness? And if yes, then what do you think gets in the way of your ability to listen to those hunger and fullness cues? Yeah. So one of, I think one of the seven deadly sins for Enneagram type sevens is gluttony. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And that is like definitely one thing that I experience. And with it can food. be gluttony with all things. Right. Right now, specifically. Specifically food. with food. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that I've had in the past is like tending to overeat. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just tonight, we got Thai food and I was like, this is some pretty good Thai food. So I like ate past fullness. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that tends to happen. Um, and, and that's driven a lot by my desire to have the best possible experience yeah. with anything in life. But when it comes to food, it's going to be the best when it's, you know, fresh out of the kitchen, like right mm-hmm. after you cooked it or right after you get, like ordered it from the restaurant. Mm-hmm. that right there is the best version of that meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, logically, yeah, I could eat half of it, feel totally satisfied, save mm-hmm. half of it for leftovers. Mm-hmm. I don't have to cook tomorrow. But we all know that leftovers are just never the same. They're never as they good. Sometimes you can revive them by, you know, cooking them on the stovetop or something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's never the same. It's mm-hmm. its not as fresh as it is straight out of the kitchen. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where uh, I can get in my head about, yeah. uh, you know, I have this plate of food in front of me. I have to finish it. Yeah. And I think that's also something that, like growing up, that was a big thing was, you know, you don't Clean waste you don't clock. waste food yeah. right like mm-hmm. you got to eat all your food yeah um funny story when i was a kid i've got two older brothers uh the middle one is two years older than me mm-hmm. um and when we were kids i would always tap him on the shoulder and say hey matthew look over there and then he'd look and he had this big plate of peas in front of him and, and i'd go and just <laughs> grab a handful of peas while he's looking over there and steal his food all the time and he never knew but my mom well you just told him now yeah he knows he knows now (laughs) but you know my mom watched and would just crack up um that's so funny yeah that was kind of a side (laughs) i love that you uh loved peas as a child oh i loved peas that i feel like a lot of kids hate Uh uh-huh 
Yeah. Yeah. I've also got, my mom's told me stories about me falling asleep in my food. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. sp- spaghetti all in my nostrils. Delicious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was kind of off track. What yeah. were we talking about? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good question. This happens. Uh, yeah. Oh, we were talking about overeating. Yes. And what, what causes you? Yeah. Yeah. And kind of that disconnect from satisfaction. Right. Because there's that, the whole idea where satisfaction has its peak. And so oftentimes we want to eat more because we want that same like burst of flavor or that same level of satisfaction to continue. But mm-hmm. there's a point where that drops off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where com- where being aware and thinking of future kind of consequences of like, I feel really satisfied right now. And sometimes satisfaction and fullness happens at different places. It's not always the same place. We've talked about this. Um, but knowing that like I feel satisfied right now and I'm comfortably full if I keep eating it might not even taste as good and I might feel sick but Mm -hmm. it's like that thinking ahead and being connected in the space yeah 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 exactly you know one one thing that has helped we talked earlier about Mm -hmm. um you know just bringing people together Mm -hmm. around food and being in social situations I think is something for me that has has helped to kind of avoid the overeating. Yeah. And part of that is because when you're in a social situation, you're more likely to be engaged in conversation mm-hmm. while you're eating. And so that naturally allows you to slow down, yeah. naturally gives your body time for those hunger signals, mm-hmm. or I guess in that case, the full fullness signal. Yeah. To catch up to how much food you've actually eaten. Exactly. Um, yeah. And starting the digestion process rather mm-hmm. than just shoveling a bunch of food down your mm-hmm. throat. And, yeah. Eating as And then fast being as you can. like, oh, wait, I'm actually really full. I yeah. shouldn't have eaten that much. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's also part of it too where I think isolation plays a really big piece. Okay. Um, yeah. When you're, when you're eating food alone... Um, you know, like negative feelings and stuff can, can come up like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling alone. Like I'm feeling bored. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and those negative feelings tend to make us want to reach to something for comfort. Yeah. And food can bring a sense of comfort. And, yeah. Yeah. And you can, that that's a good thing. Yeah. God created food to be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're using it to, to solve your feelings of loneliness yeah uh, you know there's there's other things that you can be doing too yeah yeah food is emotional and it can be one of our emotional coping tools but we don't want it to be our only emotional coping tool in the same way a lot of coping tools can be overused Mm -hmm. um but going back to what you were talking about with being around people and what we were talking about with satisfaction it plays into that idea of where satisfaction has a lot more to has to do with a lot more than just the food itself and the environment and the experience of eating. You, you're, for example, you as a type seven wanting to go for the best experience. Like the experience of eating has to do with the atmosphere and the environment and the people that are there as well. And so sometimes when we are with other people, it's easier us to, 
easier for us to feel more satisfied with maybe less food. Not saying that we have to eat less food, but we might reach that point of satisfaction a lot sooner or be aware of that a lot sooner because the environment and the experience is so satisfying as well. Yeah, exactly. You put that a lot more elegantly than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also talk about this all the time, but you're you're talking about food in the same way I am. So I'm over here smiling. So, (laughs) Um, but anyways, because I talk about food all the time, obviously, Adam is talking about food as community and the way God created food, which are conversations we have all the time. Um, But we've seen huge improvements even in your relationship with food, just with conversations and the times that we um, have spent together over the past couple of years. So what tools, mindset shifts, and behavior changes have you personally noticed to help you? Yeah, I think one really big thing for me was um, to stop labeling foods as good or bad or healthy versus unhealthy. Um, I think that's just kind of something that I adopted, again, like just based off of my environment growing up Mm -hmm. um, that I really just saw like, oh, this is a bad food. This is a good food. And you need to eat more of the good foods and less of the bad foods. Yeah. And the thing that is the problem with that, like logically that makes sense, but oftentimes the foods that are labeled bad taste really good. (laughs) And so that that was a really big struggle for me. And I I always feel like I carried a sense of guilt. And so like, I think that since I've stopped labeling foods as, as good or bad, mm-hmm. that has restored a sense of, uh, of peace with the food that I do eat. Yeah. Um, and know that it's okay to like want a bowl of ice cream every yeah. once in a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That whole good and bad creates this morality that if I eat this food, I'm good. And if I eat this food, I'm bad. And then that's where that guilt and that shame comes from. But when you break that cycle, you realize, hey, food doesn't make me good or bad. Food Mm -hmm. is this substance that can be used for a lot of different things. Like we've talked about, it's fuel, it's culture, it's community. It's all of these wonderful things, but it ultimately doesn't change who I am. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't defile me by eating this quote bad food that society has told me to avoid Mm -hmm. um and really letting go of those things can create that freedom or that peace that Mm -hmm. you explained yeah yeah one thing that annie always says is every time we eat is an opportunity to connect with our Mm -hmm. body and see how our body reacts to it and so that was kind of a mind shift a mindset shift for me Mm -hmm. was like well, when I'm eating something, I'm not I'm not judging it off of what does society say if this is healthy or unhealthy, but yeah. how does my body respond to it? And and oftentimes that's that's going to lead you down a path of healthier eating. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You're being in tune with your body, which is very intuitive, which is yeah. what we're all about here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, another tool that Annie taught me about is the hunger fullness scale. Yes. Let's yeah. uh, explain that to everyone. So the hunger fullness scale is essentially it's a 
zero to 10 scale Mm -hmm. and zero is basically like i am like as starved as i possibly could Mm -hmm. i could eat anything and i'm just i need food so bad i'm so hungry yeah and then 10 is like i'm so full my stomach feels like it's going to explode yeah and neither of which are fun yeah neither of which are fun so the (laughs) idea is to kind of judge yourself like where are you on that hunger fullness scale um, whether it's, you know, before you're going to eat a meal or if you're mm-hmm. considering having a meal, um, or a snack or whatever it is, mm-hmm. figuring out where am I on this scale and then using that to kind of drive your decision of mm-hmm. what, you, what you're going to eat, if you're going to eat, when you're going to eat and those kind mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Yeah. It gives a more practical way to connect with those hunger and fullness signals because so many people are very disconnected from that. Whether that's because of years and years of dieting or busyness or just wanting to experience food in the best possible way and not really listening to your body. Most of us are walking around disconnected from our bodies and I find that that scale gives a very practical and visual way to be like, oh, here's where I'm at. Um, and just helps to guide your decisions. There's no wrong or right answer there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do eat outside of hunger and that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. go to birthday party, they're serving cake. You're, you're satisfied. You're like at a five, you're like neutral. Well, you're going to eat the cake probably Mm -hmm. because you're celebrating someone's birthday, Mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely a very helpful tool. Yeah. And one definitely like I I feel like I probably still have room to grow in that because mm-hmm. there's definitely times where you know I'm I'm eating past fullness or mm-hmm. I'm already satisfied and I'm like all right I'm gonna go eat another meal because it's because it's in front of me you know mm-hmm. um, so definitely like work in progress with mm-hmm. that but obviously perfection isn't the goal so. exactly yeah. yeah yeah it's all about just using like you said every opportunity you eat is an opportunity to connect and yeah. learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then one last thing too, is just the idea of food being energy. Mm, and I think yeah. that was a, a really important mind, mind shift for me too. Um, especially when it comes to the hobbies and things that I like to mm-hmm. do. Um, a lot of very active hobbies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if I'm going to go play like in a six hour long spike ball tournament, like, mm-hmm that's going to be a lot of energy. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to play nine to 10 games of spike ball up like to 21 points. That's, that's going to be a lot of energy and running and diving and serving on Mm -hmm. each one of those points. And so the idea of food is energy. It's like, okay, if I'm going to exert all that energy, Mm -hmm. then I need to input that energy in order to be able to output it. Yeah. Um, or even if I'm not going and doing something active, it's crazy how much energy our bodies need to function. I mean, you think so about you have to keep your body at an internal temperature of 98.6 degrees around there, roughly. Yeah. At all times, mm-hmm. which is like that's pretty warm in yeah. like keeping all of our organs functioning, mm-hmm. keeping our brain working and like thinking and processing while we're working all day even if you're not working a physical job even if you're just at a desk job like your brain is working and doing Mm -hmm. so many decisions like quick and and it just takes a lot of energy to to be doing that and so the idea of like having 
like needing food as energy mm-hmm. uh, was really big for me. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're doing all those things, trying to keep and on top of just existing, like you said, keeping your organs functioning, and then you're playing in a six-hour spike ball tournament, <laughs> that's a lot of energy. And if you're doing all those things, you're not going to feel great. You're not going to perform at your t- your best ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably going to get dizzy or shaky. Or, or heat exhaustion. Or heat like exhaustion, yeah, which has happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely looking at food as energy is a helpful helpful approach especially when you haven't done that before Mm -hmm. because there's people on two ends of the spectrum where it's like only looking at food as energy not so helpful always looking or and then never looking at food as energy also not helpful and there's like that happy medium which Mm -hmm. is sounds like what has helped you yeah yeah absolutely cool anything else for that question nope Awesome. Well, is that that's pretty much the end of my questions. Um, but are there any last words that you would like to add for the listeners? Yeah, I just wanted to say like thank you all so much for listening. This has been a big dream of Annie's for a long time now, and uh, it's just super exciting to be here and on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of seeing all of this come to life and mm-hmm. to see the joy that it has brought Annie um, from ordering all the equipment <laughs> to recording the first episode and all of those things. She's just been really, really excited. And I know that there's a lot of people that are going to really benefit from mm-hmm. these episodes. And so I'm really excited just to start to hear some of those stories coming up. But yeah, seriously, just thank you so much for uh, being involved in this, for being a supporter of Annie. It it means a lot. Oh, well, he's the sweetest and the kindest person ever. So thank you so much. And thank you uh, for being on the episode. Um, I love doing things with you, being able to collaborate. If you guys have been watching our donut taste testing series, that is so much fun for us to be able to do something together. And we're trying to get a sponsorship. So Dough Donuts, look us up mm-hmm. if you're listening. If anyone else has hookups with Dough Donuts, give us a letter of recommendation. Yeah. Um, but I do have one last quick question. This is a question that I'm asking every single one of my interviewees um, because I think it'll be interesting to see what people's answers are and what the differences are in personality. Mm-hmm. With that, the question is, what is your favorite food? Well, we talked about pizza week earlier and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't taco week. It wasn't burger week. It's pizza week. So pizza <laughs> is the number one. Number one. Ice cream is a close second. Close second. We yeah. we do love our ice cream. It, so. We're like always stocked on ice cream. You should, always. You should see our fridge. All the options. Freezer. Yeah. yeah. We're not putting it in the fridge. Yeah. But all the options because Enneagram type 7. Yes. Well, I hope you guys have a great day, evening, morning, whatever time time you're listening to this. And we will catch you all on the next episode. Peace out. 